And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets Podcast. Aaron Ports, I'm with you. Allison Lucan is here. Hello. There she is. How are you? I'm great. How are you? How are you holding up? Season's halfway over. You feeling strong? I, time is a flat circle, so I just go where my calendar tells me. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> um, we have some news in Blue Jackets land today, Allison. I'm ready. Hit me. Uh, Mikhail Grigorenko has cleared waivers. Okay. And has been sent to the taxi squad. Um, kind of an unfortunate turn for him, but he hasn't been playing much. Um, and Alexander Texier is sick. So far, non-COVID. Um, all we know is it's, we know it's that at this point it's non-COVID, but he will miss, he's not traveling with the team. So he's going to miss both games in Carolina. And there were indications today in watching practice that that his spa, his spot's going to be taken um, either by uh, uh, Stefan Matteau or Ryan McGinnis, and possibly Stenlund's is too. Stenlund did not play particularly well um, in the Dallas game, so uh, maybe two new faces in the lineup um, or different faces in the lineup uh, when the Blue Jackets begin a four game set with Carolina. We'll get to that in a second. Um, but yeah, Grigorenko to taxi squad. Allison, he's fallen out of favor here a bit, and it feels like they've turned it over to the kids. If they're going to struggle, they're going to struggle with kids and hope that there's lessons learned in there, not instead of struggling with a veteran whose future with this club probably ends with whenever the season does. Yeah. And, you know, this is that struggle that Ports has talked about of, even he was speaking more specifically about centers at the time, but develop versus 
play strictly as hard as you can in a certain way to try and win a game. And uh, it seems we're leaning a little bit in the former. And, you know, I do. I, it, it's it's unfortunate that this ends out this way when even when we were doing sample lineups earlier, it was hard to figure out where Grigorenko might fit. And so here we are. Yeah, right. Um, he can come up at any time. This is not he's not done with the Blue Jackets, but it it pretty is pretty clear. It's an indication that they're going to bring one of those guys, Mateo or McGinnis, up. So they needed a, a spot. Um, the Blue Jackets, Allison, I feel, I think they've played significantly better. Um, not good enough, but significantly better over the last few games, four or five games. I think there's been a gradual improvement, if I can make my way up the ice here, a gradual improvement of the way, in the way that they get out of the zone. I think that's been now, I think if you look at it now compared to two, maybe three weeks ago, it's, that is dramatically better and it's gotten better in increments. I think we're starting to see a little bit moving further up the ice, a little bit of transition confidence. Um, And I think we're starting to see offensive confidence guys starting to awaken offensively again not there yet they've fashioned a little bit of a point streak here um but what what are you seeing when you look at this team right now and is there optimism in that view yeah i i agree with you i I am seeing things improve um i don't know that we're to a full state of confidence yet because i think we're seeing some inconsistencies inconsistencies excuse me even period to period um we haven't seen the full 60 yet I think, lest I be um, considered a pessimist, um, this is a a struggle that people who've been around this organization in past years might be all too familiar with where things come together too late. Um, And and then it's almost worse (laughs) to watch the team play well um, if it's too late. So there is reason for optimism, but, but you don't know if they have enough time left for all the pieces to truly come together and for it to, to make enough of a difference to keep them in the hunt. Yeah, and and if you can put a face and a name on it, it kind of feels like Max Domi is representative of the Blue Jackets this year, um, where the first 25 games, you just don't know what's going on. You just don't, you, you can't even, you, don't, you look at the player and you don't even, almost even recognize the hockey as like, this just isn't who this is. What is happening? And I feel like he's the guy above, above all the others he had the 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 most distance to go for sure but i think he's the guy that starting two three games ago you go oh my god like here he is i think he wants the puck now he's still doing some stuff where you go what the hell was that but i think that's just kind of who he is but now mixed within that is some oh that was a nice play he had the beautiful pass over to bjorkstrand uh three games ago had back-to-back two-point games um, was pretty good in the Dallas game on Sunday. Didn't score, uh, didn't score in the shootout either. We'll get to that later too. But I feel like he's starting to awaken or starting to be become more of himself. And and while he's not a he's not a bona fide year you know perennial all star, and he's not a guy that lifts the entire roster. If they just have an average Max Domi. The rest of the season, they're going to be in much better shape than they've been. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. And and I'll even take it back a step further in that 
uh, something emblematic of this season. I mean, the, the the optimism and the expectations for this group coming in, it, it goes back to even how optimistic Max Domi was. I mean, he talked to us right. in training camp and he was all in. He was high on this team. This was a big trade that was expected to provide return, not just in terms of talent, but positionally. And then for, I'm, I'm singling him out as a symbol of it, but again, it was everyone. Um, now it's finally coming around. Now, you know, as much as it's great to see that come around, I, I will point to the fact that part of his coming around or being even half of who he was, was playing down the middle. Yeah. Um, sure. And so we're still, we're still looking for that. Um, and we, and we know yeah. this group could use that um, desperately. Um, but you know what, at this point, I, I can't even imagine what it's like for him coming in. And I'm sure he has expectations of himself higher than even the organization did. And um, it'd be curious to really understand what goes into to a journey like this, but good for him to, to push through and finally get starting on the other side of some really significant struggles. Yeah. Do you remember in training camp being corrected a couple of times when you said Max Domi as the second line center? Whoa, whoa, whoa hang on a second. Yeah. Yep. Hang on a second. He could be the first line center here. Yeah. And we were, I don't think we were alone in thinking that he was a top six centerman. Um, they had high expectations for him, certainly. I still feel about his game and about the Blue Jackets at large. There's still a, f- a feeling, and there was a couple of moments in Sunday's game against the Stars, a 4 3 shootout loss, where when it starts to, when they struggle for a bit, which is just going to happen in an NHL game. Uh, at some point, you go, "Oh no, is this it again? Is this it?" Like they're—I don't feel like they're yep. totally clear of it. They haven't totally left it behind, but I think when you watch this team play sixty minutes, it does feel like they're a much better team than they were even just a couple of weeks ago. Now, I, I don't know if they've got—I don't know what they've got here the rest of the way, Allison. When you look at the standings right now, though, it's not as daunting as it was a week and a half ago. I don't think they're four points back of Chicago for fourth place. Chicago's cooled off, lost four of their last five. Um, they've got Nashville and Dallas uh, behind them. Are they six points behind them? Five points behind them? Oh, I got notes here. I, I prepared and everything. Four points behind them. Dallas has five games in hand. Um, but I think even the standings look a little friendlier uh, now for the Blue Jackets with points in three straight games. Yeah, and you know, I've the listen, I I think Chicago was always and look, they've earned the points. You can't take the points away from them. But Chicago sure. was always riding a little bit more than what they really were. Yeah. Um so I can see them faltering and and as I have said, even if Dallas has the abilities, I just think this schedule is going to just dog them. Um, right. I don't know that the most talented roster in the world can can sustain their expected level of talent with this kind of a schedule so i yep. think that's in the blue jackets favor um but you know again this this club as often happens to them this is in their hands um and this yes. i think this next stretch this four games which is crazy against the same team is going to be really fascinating but also going to is going to loom quite large yeah, it is. It's fascinating, and you look at Nashville's Nashville's problem too. If I can be a touch cheeky here, Nashville's problem is they don't have enough games against Columbus left. Um, they've won five, five out of six from the Blue Jackets. They only play them two more times this year. 
but what looms large on the Columbus schedule is what's ahead of, of them right now. Uh, today after practice, they flew to Raleigh, North Carolina. They've got two in Raleigh against the Hurricanes. They then have Sunday off, and they come back to Columbus, and they play Carolina uh, two straight games here, Monday, Thursday. Four games set. They've never played a team four games in a row outside of the playoffs. Even in this year of of, of repeated back-to-back opponents, this is going to be something. Um, I'm I'm fascinated by the dynamics of this. John Tortorella really wouldn't really wouldn't bite down on this today, but I think they're going to handle this more like a playoff series than a regular season series in the sense that there are going to be tendencies recognized. There are going to be strategies um, used from one game to the next. And just to be brief about it, when you play 82 games and you're almost always playing different teams one after another, you're not at most you play it back to back. These coaches don't want to overload the players with too many specific things about that team because the next day you're ripping that out and you're, you're playing Vancouver or Edmonton instead of Calgary. It's all new now. And that's just too much from game to game to game in the playoffs. What make the playoffs so great is there are matchups. There are tendencies that can be um, predicted and exposed. And so teams really, really get into uh, the nitty gritty, which I know you love Allison. Um, and now four straight against Carolina. I, I think it's going to be really cool to see if we start to pick up matchup tendencies where John Tortorella usually likes to brag about not chasing matchups. Will he chase matchups in this? Um, and I think over, an overarching thought, I think it's great to say that your breakouts better against Dallas and Florida do pretty good teams, but it's a different world against Carolina because Carolina has four checked them as well as any team. They've played this year. This is going to be the real test for them in that respect. Are you saying Carolina's a good hockey team, Aaron? Um, I would say that they forecheck well. <laughs> Come on. Here's my well. First Come of all, I'm 50 years old. I, I'm well used to admitting <laughs> I'm I'm wrong because I'm wrong about a lot of stuff. Um, I I I I admire the way that this team plays. I'll say that for sure because they play their asses off. Um, yes, they don't have, there's not the sort of anchor number one line up front. Am I right with that? But they've got some talent. I mean, I would say they have some talent. I feel like they have, oh, I I think they may be more talented than the blue jackets. I'm not going there, but I feel like they have like four second lines. Is that fair? Yeah. Well, perhaps, but they are, they are four good lines that, that all being said, that all being said. I, I love yes. the dynamics of this. I love it. Yes. Um, for, for all the reasons you said, I, I, what else I love about it is this, is that this four game series just in and of itself is going to be fascinating. It could potentially be a very pivotal moment yes. in the Blue Jacket season, potentially. And for all of these reasons, and these two teams are going to be in the same division next year, too. They're That's already right. in the metro together, so this is a this is a little bit of heat that can carry over, and I yeah. love that. Yeah. Um, particularly because, as some on this podcast, not me, have in the past complained about the Blue Jackets Hurricanes games. I thought yes. they were, dare I say, boring. Uh, they. I think this this might help. 
I'm done. Yeah, I'll say this. The Carolina, the Hurricanes, Blue Jackets games, it can be true that they were horrifically boring to watch. Were, past tense. I think the observation was made beginning last season that the games between these two teams were picking up. Okay. The Hurricanes are a fast team. Yes. They're very fast. And that's, of course, the basis of their great forecheck. But they're also a relentless team. And that's what I mean by I don't when I say two second lines, I don't or four second lines, I don't mean that to denigrate them at all. I just I don't think they have that top end incredible Aho's a great player, but they don't have that McDavid uh sure, McKinnon, sure, sure. that wow player. But they they're almost you almost can't differentiate between the lines because they all play so fast and so much the same way. And they all have just a little bit of danger on them offensively. Um, that, so it, it's a relentless team in that respect. I think it's a huge test for the Blue Jackets. I think if, I mean, I think you have to be careful with this because, and I'm not saying that about you because I think your comments were spot on, but I, I don't think this four game set is necessarily going to determine anything. But I think if the Blue Jackets play really well, I think it has the chance to, to really lift them. And similarly, if Carolina does to them what they've done in some previous games, and they've kicked the shit out of him in a couple of previous games. Let's just be honest. I think it has the 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 opportunity to be to be really demoralizing for the Blue Jackets. Oh, hundred percent, absolutely. And, it, and to your point, if to even split this series, everyone yeah. holds water. Yep. And to to come back against this team after what's happened, not just against the Hurricanes, but against other teams this season for the Blue Jackets. As you as you outlined earlier, this is progress. This is showing continued steps, and I think that is a massive lift. Regardless of if they can split, regardless of what happens on the score sheet, that would really be huge. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, as you watch this thing play out, which team in this division do you like best now? Of all of them, in just in this division. Oh, I mean, you you have to look at Tampa, still, right? Yeah, right. You have to. Um, and, and I, I kind of still do take, I would take Carolina over Florida personally, just a little more tried and true for me. Yeah. Those three teams right now are a a point apart. It's insane. It is. They're right there. Um, and Carolina had one, I think it was eight in a row before losing last night. Yeah. Yeah. So they are buzzing. They're 10, one and one at home this year. I think the only team that's got a better record than that. At home is the Islanders, wow. uh, who have not lost in regulation at home, which is amazing. Um, 30 games deep here. No um, Anders Lee. Though. Allison, I mentioned Mac. no Anders Lee for the rest of the year. Ouch. Um, I mentioned uh, Max Domi as, as being better, uh, significantly better in these last few weeks. W- what else about the Blue Jackets game has elevated um, in terms of player performance? Uh, well, I mean, you did say, and I agree, I think the exits are stronger. Um, I noticed in particular, if you really watch, um, the back support in the neutral zone, when the Blue Jackets are on the attack, they're really careful there. Um, they're the D I I watched a couple series in particular where if you really watch, um, in specific, Zach Wierenski and Seth Jones. Yeah. And those two have such good communication. You know, Zach is, there's a very specific role he's being asked to play if he does not have the puck on his stick um, in terms of puck support, 
in terms of transition out of the defensive zone. So I think they've really worked on that. Um, and you can see the guys really adhering to that. Um, and, and I've also liked just some of the aggressiveness offensively. Sometimes you and I will still kind of comment maybe a little too cute. Um, yep. But yep. not seeing desperation plays versus I see the play and maybe the pass doesn't connect, but it was actually a play I saw versus I just let the puck go off into nowhere land. Yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, and I mean, it was it was so crazy early on watching the defenseman gather the puck and look up and be, they didn't, of course, articulate this, but you could almost read the body language like, Hello? Yeah. <laughs> like, guys, you know, guys, can a little help here? And then there were times where the center would be back and and they're basically doing jumping jacks in the in the slot because nobody can no one's looking for them because they've just got their head down in a panic mode. But it I think Jones and Wierenski have been markedly better. Hundred percent. And it's starting to feel like not just individually, but the two of them communicating. One guy who's whose role he's in his third year with the team and his role has really elevated and nothing against him. It, it, he's one of those players who it's sort of unfortunate because even in the in the process of paying him a compliment, he tends to get a, a bit of a bit of a back a backhanded compliment with it. But Riley Nash has been elevated in this lineup significantly, Allison. Mm-hmm. Um what does that look like and where are you at with that? I it's obviously it wasn't done. He didn't knock out you know, a number one center and a number two center. It's been a void on the roster and they turned to him um, out of two-way desperation almost. But what what does that look like and what have you thought of him? You know, I, I don't hate it. And if you recall the season before he comes to Columbus, he's in Boston. Yep. And the knock against overvaluing Nash was that he was so high in the lineup in Boston. Um, due yeah. to, I believe they had some injuries there and he ended up in the, the top six. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, he was, he was up in the top six in Boston and, and that team for, for in recent history, of course, has been a perennial contender. So I don't think it's an unfamiliar ask. And I think that in this system, which relies on a defensive mentality, a four check mentality, um, this is a guy, and like you, I laughed when you said, you know, you say a compliment, it sounds like a backhanded compliment. Everyone in that room, I, when I talked to them last year, said Riley Nash is one of the best defensive forwards that they played with. Yeah. And to me, that's actually a good thing. I don't, you know, I know people Heck think, yeah. well, that just means he doesn't score. But to me, that's a really good thing. 
And I think that when you when we talk about this group having to settle down, learn some basics, return to an identity, having someone who's good at that identity is valuable. Um, so is it ideal? Of course it's not ideal. You want someone with a little more offensive upside there, but it's not like they're asking Kevin Stenland to center the top line right, right. now, right. with all due respect to Kevin Stenland. <laughs> so, yeah. um, yeah, I don't, I don't hate it. And if we, if, again, if you look at where Nash came from and what earned him the contract in Columbus, it, it was a comparable ask, um, with a, an even more talented team. Yeah, and it kind of reminds me of a situation. It's different in a lot of ways, but but regarding another Nash here in Columbus, Rick Nash, who in the early years of his time in Columbus, well, really his entire time in Columbus, they could not find a sentiment to play with him. And every it seemed like every year they would bring somebody new in, and they kept you know Castles, Jan Herdina, um, Brassard. They kept they kept trying different people. The the one player who really clicked with Nash was Manny Malhotra, which didn't make a lot of sense to a lot of people, including Nash and Malhotra, but it worked. And I, I so Nash has been centering Line A, which again you wouldn't in a million years draw up. But if if the line is if you're struggling, if the line is struggling defensively worse than it is offensively, then maybe what line A needs more than anything right now is just stability. Maybe that's what the team just needs is is stability and sort of predictability more than he needs someone that can serve him the puck in golden scoring chances um, in in, uh, great scoring situations. It's not ideal, but it does feel like their team has, has started to sort of like that's been sort of a genesis of the consistency in their in their game. It's not special, but it kind of works. Although it's not it's not really resulting in explosive nights for a line A. Um, and I wonder what the trade off is with that. Yeah, um, you know, and for the reasons you outlined, that was why you know I had always thought if it and it's funny Nash didn't even come to mind, but Felino was always on my mind to put with line A for the defensive yeah. balance. Um, so I, again, I don't mind the balance. I think that it's a key thing. And I think you're right. And we've, you and I have remarked on this a couple of times. Not every team is doing this, but there are a couple of teams and it's so noticeable when it happens that their strategy is, well, we'll just double team Patrick Line. Oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Because look who else is out here. I say that right. with, I mean, you know what I'm saying, but yeah. um, that, that's just their defensive strategy. And so you still need that pull from at least one other player, if not two or three, right. to free up line A. This can't you can't sustain like this, but but no. this is this is where we are. Yeah, and I still think Texier on the opposite wing from line A would be really interesting. Agree. Even with Agree. Nash in the middle, because like Texier that. is a playmaker who likes to carry the puck. So it's kind of he, I'm not comparing him to Panarin, but Panarin likes to pest. carry the puck, though he a win- Yeah, and as a winger, he liked to carry the puck. Um, and that's fine as long as it gets up the ice and he liked to be a playmaker. Um, and Texier, I think is the best passer on the team and line. A might be one of the few people who could hang with Texier's 500 mile an hour passes that seem to catch everybody else off guard. Um, but Texier sick been out of the lineup for at least two games. Um, let's stick with Riley Nash in one aspect because his name surfaced in another really strange way, surprising way. This week, when the Blue Jackets lost another shootout 
the game to uh, Dallas on Sunday. Blue Jackets, since the start of last season, which I don't need to remind most people listening to this, coincides with the departure of Artemi Panarin, the Blue Jackets have won one out of eight shootouts since then. One out of eight. And it was earlier this year, January, against Florida. Um, and so on Sunday, the Blue Jackets get to uh, go through overtime, get to a shootout. <laughs> and I think we're in the press box going, God, who do you go with here? Cam, for sure. Line A, this third one's going to be really interesting. So John Tortorella went, Cam Atkinson, he went to Patrick Line. Like, all right, we're cool there. Gustav Nyquist is hurt. So he's he hasn't played all yet at the season, shoulder injury. Um, Allison, who would you have picked third? And tell us who John Tortorella did pick third. <laughs> um, well, I would have picked mm, see, this is tough. Because I, I always do think of Nyquist. Maybe Bjorkstrand. Right. Maybe Texier. Yep. Um and got, this is where he went with Domi, right? Correct. Yep. Yeah, who's 0 for 6 when he went for him, went with him Sunday. Now 0 for 7. Um, and the Blue Jackets lose. Now, these shootouts, it's an interesting – it's always fascinating to me how guys pick this. And so I spent part of the, the off day Monday um, firing off Texas to old coaches and former coaches and some current coaches. How do you pick a, line, a uh, shootout lineup? And almost all of them said the exact same thing that they have with them all of the numbers. And some of the teams have career numbers, but more specifically, they want numbers against that goalie. And then they leave a spot open for themselves to pick someone who's gone really well in that game or to just play the three guys that have had the most success in shootouts. John Tortorella has said previously that he goes with his gut and he goes with how the guys have played in that game. And in previous times, he's made it seem like he does that with all three spots more than he did this time. This time he talked specifically about numbers, but shootouts for a lot of people have, have, have not really, they've been taken seriously in that they're important. But when Columbus loses to say Edmonton, Vancouver, LA, San Jose, they get a point, but the two points that they didn't get, they go to the other conference, so it doesn't really do anything to your own playoff standing. But Allison, that's totally different now. Are these shootouts now? These are a big deal because every game's in the division. The playoffs are determined by the top four teams in each division. So though it may be fluky to lose three on three, it may be even flukier to lose in a shootout, it can have real consequences. The Blue Jackets are one and three this year. If they win just one more of those points, they're three back of Chicago, and that could end up being significantly more important at the end of the season. Um, so I think I think they've all adopted a bit of a different tack here. And yet, getting back to Riley Nash, he has the second highest career average of anybody on the team. Line A's 9 out of 20 in his career, 45%. Riley Nash is 6 out of 15, 40%. And yet Riley Nash has one shootout attempt in three seasons with the Blue Jackets. What do you do there? Is that crazy? Do you do you look at it, Allison, just as I know you're a math person. We love that about you. 
Do you just strictly <laughs> go on those numbers and say Riley Nash tee it up, or what? How do you handle it? Well, I, I've I, sort of is the short answer. I think that they definitely should influence your decision making. Now, what we don't know, I don't think we don't know, is to your point, the coach is going to look at the goaltender, and so if Nash doesn't have good results against the goaltenders that this team has gone up against in shootouts, that might weigh a little bit more. I will also say if a player who's good in shootouts has just had a horrific game, I'm probably going to go away from the numbers. But I mean, when you and I were talking about this, immediately my mind went to someone who was exceptional at shootouts, Jack Johnson. Yes. Who no one ever, no one ever used. Bizarrely. Exactly. Why? It makes no sense. But he was. And once we realized that we were all like, use him more. So, you know, this is part of what data is supposed to do for us in all walks of life is that when emotion starts to take over, we're able to balance that with fact. And so, yeah, I mean, and at this point, honestly, what do we have to lose? Put Riley Nash out there, I say. Yeah. So two more things with this, like, and I I think John Tortorella is on to something where it you can determine in the course of a game, to your point earlier, Allison, if someone's playing really well and in that game they're all over the puck, they've got the puck all night, you can see, okay, he's really going. This is a player that this is a big night for him. They're they're really going. Here's your shootout attempt. But I'm not sure that should override uh, Max Domi's 0 for 7 in his career. He's never scored one. Now, you could also look at that as Max Domi's a pretty good hockey player. What are the chances of him continuing down this trend, 0 for 7? Uh, he's going to get one eventually. Uh, maybe it's now. But Riley Nash has had success with it. I think the other thing that came up this week, and I think you're going to see more of this, is the Blue Jackets have had shootouts at the end of their practices, but they've done it purely as a mood lifter. They've not done it with a watchful eye. No one's keeping track other than the players for bragging rights in the room. Um and some teams, under Ken Hitchcock, the Blue Jackets used to do it once a week, and they would keep track of it. And the winner, if they had a, if they had a shootout that week, uh, Hitch would, would trot the guy out. And the most famous example of that was in Chicago. I think it was the penultimate game of the season, 08-09. And Rick Nash scores the big goal. They get the point they need for the playoffs. So you can have a little fun with it. But he sent Tootin out, and Tootin scored the game-winning goal, Fedor Tootin. That's a more bizarre example than even Jack Johnson scored the shootout goal uh, that won the game against Chicago. I think it was Tootin's only shootout game winner and the Blue Jackets, boom, are in the playoffs. Lots of teams do that sort of thing and they keep track of it. Um, But Tortorella has not done that because in his mind, what you do in practice is apples and oranges to game. And he wants to see how a guy handles himself on that stage while everyone's looking at him rather than just goofing around, having fun in practice. And I've got one other practice point, but go ahead and respond to that, Allison, if you wish to. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I'll add is that, you know, I, I, first of all, I'm sure that element of surprise has something to do with it, right? Like what goaltender has the book on Fedor Tutin, for goodness sake. Um, yes. But, right. you know, the only thing I'll say is even to your point of Max Domi is a good player, but this is this is the philosophical argument about shootouts is it's not a test of who's good in a game right correct it's a skills competition right. and That's so right. if if someone 
I would not let someone take a shot in the shootout because they've had a shitty game because there's probably more going on there. But just because you had a good game doesn't necessarily mean that that translates to the skill necessary to beat a goaltender in a shootout. So I wouldn't ride it that way. Um, But otherwise, I'm with you 100%. Yeah. And Riley Nash brought this up that they probably should practice it more. And it wasn't, I don't think it was a shot at uh, Tortorella as much as it was, you know, you don't want these guys, like, does Vladislav Gavrikov even have a move? Well, he should probably probably get one ready and at least go through it at the end of practice a few times. Um, Riley Nash was asked, it was rather quite comical, does he have, do you have a couple of moves, Riley Nash? And he said, I do. And then he paused and said, well, I did. I haven't gone for a while. Um <laughs> They're a little rusty, but these guys want, I think the bigger concern for these guys is that without any practice at this, next thing they know, they're going to be out at center ice bearing down on a goalie in a really big moment. So maybe it's something they want to go through and do more with it in practice than just having fun among themselves. Um, I went looking yesterday because this is, and I don't say this to be, to besmirch the the great captain of the Blue Jackets, Nick Felino. Although we can talk about his haircut in a second, um, Felino is zero for eleven career in shootouts. Zero for eleven. He's zero for six with the Blue Jackets. That is crazy to me. Now th- this is not a guy. This isn't. We're not talking Alexei Kovalev hands here. But Nick Felino is a hell of a player. Scored two hundred goals in this league. The mathematical possibility of him being 0 for 11 in the shootout to me is astronomical. And yet it is true. And yet it is true. And I went looking on the NHL site. Who has taken the most attempts without scoring a shootout goal? Clark Clark MacArthur, who had some pretty damn good seasons with Toronto and I think Colorado. Uh, zero for 14. Wow. And you know who else is ne- who never scored a shootout goal in his entire career? This blew me away. Henrik Sedin, of all the people. Never. Like, that's crazy. But there are some guys that it just, the translation from hockey to that is just so, it's like like NBA players, some of them don't dunk. It's not part of their deal. They don't have a fancy dunk to show everybody. You know, I just score goals. I don't. It's not a one-on-one breakaway situation with the goalie. Um, Quickly, with some other numbers here, we mentioned that Riley Nash has the, second highest shootout percentage on the team. The highest percentage with the Blue Jackets, Nyquist is two for four. Texier is one for one, so he's technically the highest 100%. Um, Cam Atkinson, 15 of 45. Would you believe, Allison, that Boone Jenner at 25% is ahead of Oliver Bjorkstrand at 22%, two out of eight instead of two out of nine? Boone Jenner, ladies and gentlemen. That that did shock me. I'll leave it at that. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. So, Allison, today you are coach of the Blue Jackets. The Blue Jackets are in a shootout three to three with the Carolina Hurricanes on Thursday night. What's your batting order? Interesting. You you know, I'm this kind of person. I would save Cam for last. Yes. Cleanup duty. Um, I'd probably go. Here's mine. Bjorkstrand, Riley Nash, Cam Atkinson. What's yours? Now, do you want to go first or do you want to go second? Because Torts always wants to go first, and I'm not sure I agree with that either. I would like to go second. Yeah, me too. Me too. And I would go – I think I would I would go 
Cam, because I want to get an early lead if I can. I would go line A, and then I would probably go Bjorkstrand or Nash. And if the ice is shit, as it has been, I would tell Bjorkstrand, if you do anything other than shoot a wrister, don't even bother coming back into the dressing room. <laughs> Use your wrister. Amazing. It's your best weapon. Amazing. Uh, uh, Allison, anything else we need to get to? I'm sure the Ohio State women have some great news. Yes, that, that was what I wanted to talk about. Um, yes. Exciting times continue for the Ohio State women. They beat Boston College last night um, to advance to their second Frozen Four in the past four years. And if you recall, there wasn't a Frozen Four last year. They were hopefully going to be, he- well, they were headed there when everything shut down. So um, this is this is a special time in the program as I continue to ask people to pay attention to the next game is Thursday. It is against Wisconsin. It is online. It is free. Please watch. Please check it out. Please support this sport. Please support these women. Um, this is this is very potentially a time when you're going to be able to say 10, 15 years from now that you were watching when this program became one of the pillars of the women's hockey universe. It's it's pretty cool to see. And there's some very special players and the coach is fantastic. So take it all in. Awesome. You'll you'll tweet out a link, I'm guessing, as to where oh, people for sure. can watch that. Awesome. 100%. Awesome. Well, March Madness is here, and the Athletics College Basketball Crew brings you The Ding You, presented by BetMGM. We'll cover all of the action, both on the court and at the sports book, grabbing insight from the Athletics College Basketball writers and picking the brain of BetMGM's top bookmakers. Join us for our first-round discussion show Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern, on the Daily Ding feed and streaming on the Athletics YouTube channel. Allison Lucan, thanks for being with us. Thank you as always. Yes, good times. Danielle Lehman, our producer, great job by you. And folks, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you all next week. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.